Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Right. Well, welcome to Chat Noir, Mystery and Suspense. I hope you're having a mucho mysterious day. I'm Linda Kozar, your host, and I will be interviewing my friend, author Carla Hoke. Today, you will learn how to fight or make your characters fight right. And if you're feeling lucky, you might be the recipient of our prize today, a fight scene critique from Carla Hoke. That's right. If you win, you will get to send in one of your fight scenes and Carla will tell you what's what about it. So put up your dukes and get ready to learn the ways of the warrior because you've been doing it all wrong up until today. Now bow to your sensei. (laughs) She she has no book to bring yet, but I have it on good authority that there are several projects in the works and she will likely explode on the scene like a pitcher of Kool-Aid. Um, let me, okay, Carla, they hear you, but first I need to talk about you (laughs) and I'm going to read your wonderful bio because it's my favorite thing ever. Um, so moments (laughs) before the destruction of her home planet, Carla's parents jettisoned her and her twin brother to earth. She was taken in by a kindly farmer in Kansas while she was embraced by a rather liberal clouder of feral cats in Houston, Texas. While still a toddler, she bid farewell to her feline family and headed to Pace, Florida, a small hamlet just outside Pensacola. There she raised herself in a hollowed-out tree trunk and taught herself to speak fluent Southern, ride out a hurricane like a pro, and tell the difference between Coke and Pepsi by fizz alone. That's a talent. As an adult, she fulfilled the dream (laughs) of all feral cats and became a Spanish teacher and track coach. After nearly a decade in the classroom, she met a military cyborg who promptly married her and whisked her away to such exotic locations as Virginia and New Mexico. Now a mother of twins herself, she and her husband have returned to the People's Holy Republic of Texas, yoo-hoo, and reside not far from where her pod originally landed. Unlike her twin, Clark, Carla found her powers late in life. She was first introduced to them through Hapkido, Hapkido-based self-defense class through a Hapkido-based self-defense class. From there, she went on to train in MMA, um, Muay Thai, Taekwondo, and is currently a student of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Sayak. She has also assisted her her coach, Eddie Avalar, not altogether human himself, in the teaching of self-defense. With him, she continues the study of street defense or whatever he happens to throw at her. Literally, he sometimes does that. Okay, and she's published more than 50 articles um, uh, as both, now you write as both a color and ghost writer <laughs> because ghosts yes. are transparent, right? Okay, in her, right. <laughs> in her three three years working for a local magazine, um, she is a contracted fight scene editor with Quill Pen Editorial and 
Um, she did write a book, Breaking Breaking Read. I want to say Breaking Bad, but you know that that wouldn't fly. And <laughs> so different. Uh, is uh, she did have a she does have a story in the Out of the Storm um, anthology, so you can check that out. And she is also the Red Rider Blagest of RedRidersHood.com. And as far as you know, not working with cats in an evil plot to overtake the world. So I want to welcome correct. you to the show, Carlo. Thank <laughs> and you. And she so also much. has a she has a show, The Geek Block, on this network, yeah. the Long Time oh, Writer Network, as well. Yeah. Yes, and we yeah. must you must change your bio there because you I you know. do that. <laughs> I know. I've been doing it for how long? Almost six years now, right? Yes, it's been a long oh, time, but a very time good. Flies. Good time. Yes. So um, I'm going to start off talking about fight and then write, you know, interspersed in there and how those two words fight, right, combine. And I am going to use um, some of the iconic Walking Dead fight scenes because, you know, Eve and I had problems and I'm such a novice there. So uh, first of all, how did you get started with fighting? Because you, you, I don't know if you noticed, but you're a little sprite. So how how did that happen? Did someone kick sand in your face or something? What happened? No, um, I actually, I enrolled my kids in Taekwondo and there was a self-defense class that was taught there and I was um, going to write a fight scene and I thought, well, you know, it kind of makes sense if I'm going to write a fight scene, I might should know how to fight because six years ago, I did not know how to even throw a punch. Um, I went to the self-defense class and the first class I didn't even participate in because I was so intimidated and I thought it was scary. Um, But Little by little, I got into it, and from there, I I just got deeper, deeper in the mire. The the coach of the (laughs) self-defense class, he he also coached MMA. He goes, why don't you come to class? And I said, I can't do that. I'm however old I was at the time. And he said, oh, yeah, you can. Why can't you? And I absolutely loved it. And mixed martial arts, that's what MMA is. It is a mixture (laughs) of all the martial arts. And so you get exposed to a lot of different ones, and I was able to pick out which ones I really, really enjoyed specifically Muay Thai, which is um, uh, martial art of Thailand, kickboxing. It's a specific style of kickboxing. But my favorite was Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and it's where you're grappling on the ground. And the great thing about it is little people, no matter what you are, that's your advantage. If you're tall, that's your advantage. If you're big, that's your advantage. If you're small, that's your advantage. It's it's not about strength. It's about technique. And so Ah. uh, from there, I, 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 I moved to the gym where I am now with my coach and um he street defense is great what he's taught me of that because it also deals with weaponry it's basically anything that you might meet on the street so it's everything from somebody just trying to push you down to somebody pulling a gun on you or pulling a pipe on you or you know on the ground it's a little bit of everything and uh, now, in the beginning teach... no go on go ahead go on. no no, go no you go on Okay. Okay. Um, So I want to know if you are a walking bruise. I want to. Okay. Well, I just want to know if, with all this going on, if you were a big walking bruise for the first couple of years, were you just? I mean, oh my word! Yes, I'm still a huge walking bruise, and you know, let's not forget. I hate to admit it. (laughs) Well, no, I don't hate to admit it. I'm 44, and the older you get, the more you bruise, and. And when mm-hmm. I was in MMA, I, I joke that I basically look like a cheetah. I have so many bruises on me. But the better you get, the less bruises you get. But right now, I'm dealing with bruised ribs. I mean, it hurts to inhale all the way. But, oh, gosh. you know, you just get used to it. I mean, it kind of becomes part and parcel. I, you know, I, I dislocated uh, one of my, I think my thumb, and it just hurt and hurt and hurt, and I couldn't figure out what to deal with. Well, then I 
put it back in joint in, in the in the socket and clasp. I'm like, oh, all this time it's been dislocated, and it's just kind of part of it. That's just Yikes. how it is. You, kinda, <laughs> you know, it's like if you're if you cook a lot, you get burned. That's just part of it. And you're like, eh, well, that's deal. true. That happens. So, yeah. That happens. So yeah, now before I get somewhere. into before I get into, I like that. I keep a bruise somewhere. You should put that on your, somewhere, on your always. Um, now, before we get started, I want to say how we met. Um, now, you and I met when I was having, um, I used to hold these Meet the Christian Authors um, book signing yeah. events, big events. Um, now, book signings aren't a big deal to me because, you know, I sell more books without signing, but they were kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but yeah. uh, a wonderful woman by the name of Lillian Wright, who's the manager That's of the right. Barnes and Noble Champions 1960 a wonderful woman um she invited you to yep. sign with us because she she read yep. your book and loved it and of course i had to vet your book you gave it to me because i didn't know you you know so i read it and right. i was like i didn't know wow. you <laughs> right i loved it right. and i think i i critiqued it for you too because yeah, you, you did. Um, yeah you did and, and i had to say you know while it did need a lot of editing that's not a big deal a lot of editing yeah but you know it's what not. Uh, to you me know, yeah. Editing is not a big deal because you can do that. But if the writing is bad, right. you can't put good writing into bad. You know, you cannot, right. you'd have to rewrite the thing. And if you don't have the talent, you don't. But your voice just came right through and it was wonderful, amazing. And I loved it. And so uh, you better edit that fast because that, I that know, needs to be out I know. there again. It's been how many years? Seven years. You know, I still have yeah. an email after all this time that Lillian sent me. She said, you know, I know a lady named Linda Kozar that I really think you should meet. I keep that email to this day. Because it just, yeah, I mean, and it we changed <laughs> the trajectory of my life. It changed so much. Oh, that's you awesome. You have been such a huge influence. I have joked with you and I've told other people, I want to be you when I grow up. But you really have. <laughs> or old. You, you can say old. That's okay. <laughs> no, grow up. I'm, I'm not growing old. Um, no, sorry. It's never going to happen. But you have, you have always supported me and always pushed me. And I'm not an easy one to push. I, I dig my heels in. But you always have. And then, you know, you ask me and I'll keep to on. be on the I'll geek keep block. On. Yeah, you asked me to, to be on the show, um, on yes, the radio show. And, and I had never done anything like that. And I don't know if you remember this, but you said that, you know, God had told you I was the one. And I looked at you. I said, well, right. he's joking. <laughs> he's not joking. He doesn't joke that way. <laughs> No. Well, you know what? No, I knew you had a, a great you, you had a great writing voice, but you also had a a great radio voice, a great presence. So I knew you'd be wonderful. Oh, thank you. So okay, now we're gonna move on to the fun stuff too. Um, okay. The Walking Dead questions. Okay, so uh, you started with Hapkido. Okay, and on The Walking yes. Dead, Eastman taught Morgan Akido. So what what's the difference? They are they are different. Um, I have keto and I hope I'm getting them right, have keto has to do with small joint manipulation. So think about the samurai on the battlefield with their sword. You grab someone's wrist and you desword them. Yeah, apparently that's a word. And then you break their wrist. <laughs> or it is a word. They say desword somebody, degun them. They desword. Wow. Yeah, you, you break their wrist, you break their knuckles, you make it to where they can no longer utilize their weaponry. And then you take oh. them to the ground. So, um, but it is a little different. And I think, if I'm not mistaken about Aikido, it does have to do with um, uh, taking someone off balance. But you got to remember, these people, Samurai on the Battlefield, were in a lot of clothing. 
And so um, they're going to have some big movements versus small movements. You know, I know there's a keto people out there are probably going to pitch a fit, but their kicks are very um, big. And they have to Mm -hmm. be big because they have clothes that they have to get to. They may have chain mail they have to get to. But um, jujitsu and judo and all that came from the samurai battlefield. And when you look at what they were wearing at the time, it makes complete sense. But what I started out with has to do with um, specifically breaking um, and dealing with small joints because that takes away the element of, you know, how much bigger a person is. Because it doesn't matter how big you are. If you break a finger, it hurts. And who yeah, creates if you, the most pain wins? That's the rule. Whoever creates the most yeah. pain wins. It doesn't matter how big yeah. you are. Yeah, I mean, if you if I get a paper cut, I'm like, ah, you know. So I mean, if you break a <laughs> finger, <laughs> yeah, right. But um, but could you push past that though when you're fighting? I mean, if you broke something like that, yes. but you were like fight to the death, you're gonna push it, you know, no matter what. Well, yes, and you don't you don't feel a lot of injuries. Um, I actually had a friend this past weekend who was in a jujitsu fight that broke a rib, um, on the takedown. So from the first five seconds, oh, wow. he had a broken rib. And he knew he had a broken rib. He felt the pain when he moved. But you don't get the extent of it until the adrenaline ebbs. Um, I've dislocated uh, joints, didn't know it. People break things and they don't know it. But regardless, if you have a broken finger, if you have a broken wrist, you can no longer handle your weapon. And so even though the rest of your body may be working, you can't get to that sword anymore. You're not going to be able to hold that gun. You're not going to be able to wield that knife, at least not with that one hand. So it's not so much about um, the pain as disabling them and making them uh, less able to defend themselves so that you have the advantage and can get away or you can continue okay. to attack. Now, next question. I want to fit all this in. Ah, okay. Um, I'm sorry. Okay. The epic fight between the governor and Michonne in the right. wall, the aquarium head room. Okay. All right. So he begs her not to kill his little girl who is a walker already. You know, I don't know why he thought he could bring her back. But but so after she kills him, he goes into a rage and, um, you know, and attacks her. And then she uses her katana for a chokehold in his neck, which that seems possible. But then he slams her head against the wall. But then he slams her head through the aquarium. Okay, now. To me, that doesn't seem, I mean, because isn't that safety glass? I mean, could you slam, yes. slam somebody's head through an aquarium? No, you could. And not have I it assume. cut their arteries? Um, it won't cut their arteries. Your head is very blood rich and any injury to the actual, like, I'm talking about scalp. I'm not talking about if you go through the bone. But well, I was thinking about her neck, though. Really oh, yeah. Now, that's a problem. Because her you can't part of her head neck went through. and not sever an artery. Yes, you can go. Okay. You cannot sever an artery. However, on your neck, if it's a big artery, the problem is you lose more blood than you can accommodate right. with fluid, because you have to right. replace that fluid with water, and you just you don't have that that speed. So if he didn't sever an artery, eh, but I'm going to tell you what: if you're hitting the back of somebody's head that hard to get something, I would imagine they'd be pretty dazed, or they'd be getting kind of close to knocked well, out. There's no absolute. It was the fight, front. It I, was the front of her head that went through it. You know. And, oh, um, like the oh yeah, that's right, that's right. At the top of your forehead, kind of. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's what. That's the hardest part of your skull. That's actually oh, okay. the hardest part of your skull. And if you're going head, like to headbutt somebody, right. there's actually a technique for headbutting. And so you, it's you like headbutting, except she went through the glass. She went through there, and I do okay, remember so that, that she should have gotten cut up pretty good. 
yeah and then after that okay then he has her on the floor she's on her stomach and he's kind of he's choking her and she grabs um some of the jagged glass and she and she pushes right. it backward and straight into his eye i mean what are the odds she would have gotten his eye you know or gotten that you know no so kidding. is that do you right. think that would have was that possible um, well it depends on how long that piece of glass is if she was able to go all the way through the eye back into that orbital cavity and it had gotten into his brain, nicked his brain, I think his right. body would have done like a hard, a hard shutdown. Like on a computer, when yeah. your computer messes up, it's like, no, shutting down. Yeah. That's what your body would do. Even if it doesn't lost fluid. kill you, your body's going to say, right. oh, too much pain. Yeah. Yeah. But well, yeah, okay. getting I that perfectly is going to be tough. Straight in the eye. I'll bet he didn't see that coming. Okay, I had to say yeah, that. Um, <laughs> okay, now here's a sensitive topic. Okay, uh, what about Eugene Porter taking a bite out of Dwight in a rather compromising place? Is that cool? That's that's below the belt, you know what I mean? Uh, well, but here's the thing. Here's the, I get it, below the belt. Here's the thing. Hmm. If it's on the street, it's legal. If your life okay. is at stake, it's legal. Okay. You absolutely can tear away that part of a man. There, uh, We have mm. a method that my coach calls the grip and rip. And it, it absolutely, oh, wow. you grip it and you rip. It Does it kill them? No. But I'll tell you what, it gets their attention quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they start so, thinking about <laughs> other things quick. Oh, okay, so I have another Eugene question. What about when Abraham found out he was a fraud and, and punched his lights out? I mean, he punched him right. so hard. He was out for I don't know how many hours. I mean, wouldn't that have caused a concussion or, you know? Um, yes, and if he stayed out for that long, he was not out because of the punch. He was out because of the concussion he sustained from hitting the ground. When you're knocked out from a punch, you're not knocked out that long. And generally, when you're knocked out from the punch, when you hit the ground, more likely than not, you're twitching. Or I've mm -hmm. seen people stiffen up, like even have their legs raised off the ground, stiffening up. But you don't fall out down like, oh, I'm asleep. But if you have a concussion, okay. if you've been knocked out like that, yeah, you're going to be out for a while. So he was out for a while because of the contact he made with the ground, not the contact he made with a fist. Okay. Uh, okay. Now, what's up with Dwight wearing Daryl down by playing Easy Street? Okay. I'm not saying that's fight scene material, but can you wear down your opponent by yes. in other ways, like baiting them with words or whatever? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. There was um, a drug kingpin. This is when I, this was in the '90s. I think it was '89, and maybe it was in the Contras. But anyway, there was. Um, Panamanian leader. Anyway, we were trying to get into the compound down there and they played the same music again and again and again and they played it really loud. So it absolutely oh. drives you mad. I was in charge okay. of pledge week at college for my uh, little sorority club and I this is awful and I, I regret this. I'm going to go ahead and say I regret it. I made them listen to a reading of Edgar Allan Poe's The Bells for 30 minutes. <laughs> And, That's and evil. Some of them, it, I know, and I, I, I didn't realize then what it was doing to them. But there was one girl that literally leaned over and started tapping her forehead on the ground. It's terrible. <laughs> so yes, that absolutely will work on okay. Molly. Okay. Now here is a scene that no one will ever forget on Walking Dead: Rick uh, versus Joe's crew. Okay. Now, th if you remember, this is the crew that Daryl got stuck with when the prison fell and everyone was separated, and they were just merciless thugs, and they were. They found Rick's little group and they were going to, um, they had, Carl was about to be assaulted and killed. Michonne had a gun to her head 
And um, mm -hmm. when Rick saw that, he made like a walker and bit into Joe's neck. Could that, I mean, yes. that is that one of those rip Doable. and... Okay. That's a thing. That is absolutely okay. a thing. So, it's wow. Gross, but it's a thing. Oh, yeah. You can actually that was just... grab somebody's throat. You can grab their trachea and crush it like a banana. That's awful. But And if you pull, mm. you can literally rip. So, but I mean, you got to think about it. These aren't people that are just mad at each other because they, you know, shop, shop they're their desperate. Their ankle. They're yeah, desperate. They're desperate. Yeah. It's, it's okay. live or die. So they're in a whole different mode. Okay. So, um, all right. Now in my books, I've offed my characters with MSG, a nail gun, a shovel, a sandbag, poison, a fruitcake, <laughs> and an Australian snail. So, so uh, I have a question. I have a character that meets his end with a large barbecue fork to the chest. Possible? Uh-huh. Would it have to go through the pericardium? I mean, is that hard? You know, or should it, it be the it neck? It depends. It's gonna, no, no, no. It's going to matter how long the tongs are. And it's long. It's it. one of those um, long ones. Okay, good. You know what? I don't know that I would go for the heart as much as I would go for the abdominal aorta. The abdominal aorta okay. is right in the where your ribs separate in mm -hmm. the middle, um, kind of in the middle of your belly. Um, but if you pierce that, there's there's no coming back. If you go for the heart straight ahead, remember you've got ribs, you've got muscle, and you've got lungs. Right. So it's possible that you and and you know what the heart can actually move to the side a little bit, but that abdominal aorta, if you get that, it's done. And also, don't forget you can get to the heart underneath the arm from the side. Oh, that's right. So, okay. I, I, it's I think that's a little dramatic. easier. Okay. Yeah, it's easier to get to. So I would go for the abdominal aorta. I think that's more of a sure bet. Okay. Um, Next question, weapons of bass destruction. Is it possible to kill mm -hmm. someone with a big fish? <laughs> could you kill someone with a fish? Uh, I think you could probably bludgeon them to death, depending on the that's fish. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what yeah, I was thinking. Depending okay. on the fish, I think you might be able to. But you got to remember, a fish isn't hard. So you're really, you're going to have to knock them out, and you're going to have to hit and hit. And you know what? Now that I think about it, I wonder if a fish might be too... It might have too much give to it. But you know what? If you hit them down on the ground hard enough and they hit their head, you know, and if it's a marlin, hey, you can stab them. But nobody can pick a marlin, so there you go. I don't know. That I, would I, be I'm gonna have an to interesting scene. I don't know though. if you could kill yeah. them. I don't know if you could kill them, but you could definitely <laughs> knock them out. Okay. It's All right. Frozen. So, um, okay, now... I don't watch cheesy horror movies anymore. I used to, though. I, I'm going to admit it. But Stephen King, not one of his best in 1992, Sleepwalkers. I don't know if you remember that. They were like a vampire werecat family. Uh -huh. Okay. Well, anyway, she kills a man with a corn cob to his back, <laughs> which I thought, who uh, does that? You know, mm, corn is yeah. so good. Why would you do that with corn? You know? I know. Possible. I know. Possible. I guess she's aware. No. Aware, I, you know. No. Okay, well, okay, here's the thing. Where in the back? In the middle. In the middle. No. We're talking spine. No, not unless she no. total. she'd have to totally break the spine and break the spinal cord and all that. So I'm going to say that myth is busted. Okay. And so, uh, and by the way, her line was, no vegetables, no dessert, because he was trying to come on to her <laughs> romantically. But anyway. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, you're a busy girl these days, and you're writing. I have I, I have it on good authority. You were working on some projects, you know. And oh, yeah. um, 
the day you finish and get these projects um, in the publishing queue, you will be back on the show to talk about it and also when they come out. Talk about yes. all the secret stuff. And um, yes, please. So tell me what you like about writing and what you hate about it because we all have that. Um, what I like about writing is that you get to be anything you want to be. I mean, it, because you are your character for that moment. You're having to see what they see and smell what they smell and, and experience what they're experiencing. And so you get to, to have it all. I've, I've always said that writers are the biggest thieves because they steal experiences from other people and then they, mm. they experience them themselves on the page. Yeah. So that's what I really like about it. What I hate about it is, you know, it's executive processing. It's multitasking of the brain. And sometimes your brain just doesn't want to do it. I am not a fast writer. I know some people that can just, you know, toughly can bust out 10,000 words in a day. It's not without a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I have a, a bit of ADD. My brain, and I'm not joking about that. I know people, I, I literally, my brain has a hard time staying on the same subject for a very long time. And if I write for a very long time, I'm kind of worn out and drained. So um, it, it is taxing. It's very taxing mentally. And, and I don't know if it's like that for everybody, but I have to get up and I have to take breaks. And, and, or I get no. depressed. I will literally get It's like that. It's like that for me. It's, it's, I mean, Good. I don't, I'm not a high <laughs> volume writer. I'll write like no. uh, two, if I write 3,000 words a day, I'm good. I mean, I'm oh, on top good. of the world, yeah. you know, because I, yeah. we'll see, but I write Cozy Mystery, so there's a lot of comedy in there and comedy has to be spot on. It has to, it does. the timing That's has hard. to, the timing comedy works hard. for writing it as in the same as um, writing it to speak, you know. Um, right. Because right. all those comedy, that all those comedians out there, somebody writes their jokes a lot, you know, for most they of do. them anyway. They do. Yeah. Right. But um, so you're working on fiction and nonfiction. Which one is your favorite mm -hmm. so far? Uh, so far, nonfiction. It is because mm -hmm. it's just kind it of speaking, speaking from what you know. You know, it's kind of speaking yeah. from what you know. And, uh, you know, fiction, but the, what people don't understand is sometimes your characters change their minds. And what you think yeah. that character was going to do in a chapter, they don't do, which does not make sense to people, but it happens. You know, uh, yeah, something it does. And you're like, oh, I should have done this. I should have done this. Let me. Ch and that means everything you've done so far needs to be tweaked. Yeah. Sometimes, so, you know, your character like doesn't about face on something. And you're like, wait a yes, minute. I'm the writer. I'm the writer. How could my right. character. <laughs> yeah, your character will bother <laughs> but... you around. Yeah. Yes, they do. They do. Yeah. So anyway, um, well, well, let's uh, tell us about Realm Makers. That's that is coming up for you. Okay. How did you get into Realm Makers, and how did you? Um, wait, I was trying. Well, I was looking at your other thing. Oh, Quill Pen okay. Editorial. Re tell us about that. Yes. Okay. Realm Makers is uh, for speculative fiction writers. They uh, speculative fiction is all the weird stuff, sci-fi, fantasy, steampunk, all that, all that cool stuff. And it is for mm -hmm. people of faith. Um, and yeah. it does not necessarily have to be a Christian. If you are a Jewish person, bring it on. But it is for people yes. of faith who ultimately uh, want God to be honored in what in what they write. It doesn't mean that there's going to be an alien Jesus and a baptism scene. That is not what it's about. It is about giving people, um, you know, a clean option that goes toward the light yes. rather than the darkness. But it doesn't mean the darkness won't be there. 
Um, so I got involved with Realm Makers about three years ago, and I was asked to be on a panel talking about fight scenes. And they had different people. There was um, someone who knew about medicine and someone who knew about writing, and, and there was somebody who was from the military. And, and I was the resident fight person, which cracked me up. But people kept asking specific things, things that were more specific to my background and, and physically what, is the, what do you do in this situation. And so when it came around the next oh. year, they said, well, hey, what, are we running out of time? Keep, no, hurry, we're running out of time. Okay, keep going. Okay, and, and so the next year they say, hey, do you think you can teach a workshop? And I, I said, sure, and I got up and I realized, oh, crud, I'm the only one teaching this. And so it worked, and it went for about an hour and a half. And after that, um, Quillpin Editorial approached me and said, hey, do you want to work for us? And I said, sure. And now Realm Makers is coming up again, and I am first on the list right after the uh, introductory main speaker, Ted Decker. Uh, okay, so, you know, for people who are listening, hey, go check out Realm Makers, because Carla yes. is going to be teaching there, and it's going to be amazing. Yes. You're going to learn everything you want to know. Um, right. And that's a great opportunity. Also, our winner of your Fight Right critique, which is awesome, and it's a critique of a fight scene, is Jamie Combs, C-O-M-B-S. Yay. Yay, Jamie. I will contact you on Facebook and put you in touch with Carla and let cool. you know what's what. Now, there was one last question, if we have time for it. Where do you go in your head when you fight, especially when you're having a great day? This is from Danelle Woody on Facebook. Um, I go to that scene and I fight. It, 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 it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with having a great day. It has nothing to do. It's, it's two different boxes. You step out of one box and you go to the other box and you imagine you're in that scene. And then when the scene is over, you step out of that box and you go about your day. Fighters well, that's aren't angry awesome. at all. <laughs> well, that's They're awesome. Not. And we have had a great time. We could talk for, you know, at least a couple hours longer, but I'll just yeah. have you back and that'll be even better. So um, thank, thank you for you. being on the show, Miss Carla. And thank, thank you, you for, for having fighting. me. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.